Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello everyone, David here. Welcome back to the DGR Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. This is episode number 64. I'm joined by Kier Wenham Flat, a repeat guest. Kier was with us on episode six. Uh, we were talking a lot about branding and building a business back then. And um, we're still talking about that now. So Kier has coached in the very top level of professional sport. He's built a couple of very successful businesses, rugby strength coach uh, that you you may have known, known him from in the past and strength coach network. And now he's transitioned out of coaching and more towards um, helping online coaches to to make some money or helping helping people who aren't online coaches that would like to make some money through online coaching. So um, as much as people want to deny that it's important uh, that they pretend that they're just in coaching for the love of it, you might be, we all probably are initially, but you quickly realize that that love will diminish very quickly if you feel like you're not working with the type of clients you want to work with you're not being successful you're not um making some decent money so that you can actually enjoy your life outside of your coaching spend some time with your family not work every hour under the sun all of these things not work for a boss that you hate that is just forcing you to do things that you don't like um or making you really insecure around your job or your life so um i've been i've looked at Kier here for several years now as someone who's kind of been an influence and pushing forward and pushing for coaches to develop that side of themselves not just their coaching eye side of things or how to coach but actually their business side so i think you'll learn a lot from this we'll talk we talked about it just his transition from coaching into the business world and how you can basically have a more be be a more successful coach that earns some money and enjoys their job more so that's what that's what we talk about if you enjoy it maybe you can uh give it a share for us tag me and Kier. that would be really helpful and um yeah on with the show here's Kier. okay Kier, how are you doing man round Good two round. round two when was the last one two years ago no the podcast you were you were guest two or three or four uh and that was november 2021 20, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay yeah so who was guest right. number one uh joel because i asked joel about joel was my first podcast that i did he, he i yeah. was on i was on his podcast and um kind of asked him how to how to make a good podcast so that's what guest that's what the first episode was about so yeah joel threw me in the deep end because that was a big podcast to be on for my first one and i was shitting myself but i kind of i did okay so. Did he uh did he talk to you about ayahuasca? <laughs> no. Bro, you get that guy started on ayahuasca, he doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't mentioned it to me. Um certainly not uh certainly not uh, on a podcast. Yeah. You know. So uh what have you been up to? Since then, oh man, 2021. Uh well, I got married, um, you know, made some made some changes uh to the business. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a natural progression, which is just like, you know, whatever, wherever your focus is, whatever you do more, you're probably going to build credibility in that regard. You're probably going to self-identify a little bit more in that regard. And, um, yeah, man, look, I, I coached, so I left full-time coaching in October of 2020 and then I kind of had this mentality of like, 
you know, I need a break. And it's a little bit arrogant, but it's also, I think, fair, which is, man, it would be a shame if I didn't coach anyone. You know, I've got like all this experience, pretty good at what I do. I thought, oh, it'd be a shame if I didn't coach anyone. So I started volunteering for a high school um, in the summer of 2021. And it was just painful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was painful just because, you know, you're you're more free of the usual bullshit, but it's all still there. And, you know, like this, it actually happened parallel at that time. I was like, did a little bit, did a visit, did a little bit for an NFL team and volunteering at this high school. And I was getting more responsiveness out of the NFL team. And I was just like, this is just a waste of my time. So anyway, that was the last time I coached, which is 2021. And yeah, it's just got to the point where I just don't, you know, I have, I have the theoretical knowledge. I have the practical experience. Like I can, there's a lot of coaches out there that I could help, mm-hmm. but then I'm like, don't consider myself a coach anymore. More interested in business. I remember like I went to a conference recently, just mostly to catch up with people. And I think I bought three or four books and haven't touched them, but you know, I've got a stack of business books like this. That's the stuff that interests me mostly now. So, you know, I have had rugby strength coach, strength coach network, both under management, got a little bit sick of both of them. So, you know, back end of last year, decided to, and we can talk about the mechanics of it if you want, but like basically stop promoting strength coach network, stop spending the ad money, and then probably ended up taking maybe another eight grand off the table each month and just kind of like putting it away. Mm -hmm. Which uh, which you were were putting into ads. Yeah. And, you know, my wife bravely helped me spend that money. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, when it was kind of, it was more of like a, kind of like a maintenance period or just kind of like, okay, you know, we, you know, we've, we've grown the site to a certain size. Let's consolidate that. Let's take some money off the table, which we did. And, you know, by that point it was like two hours a month I was spending on the site, did some other stuff with a rugby strength coach. That's just the same kind of thing, which is like, I, I think authenticity sells if there's a reason that people engage with me online, it's because for the most part, what you see is what you get, certainly more than the average in our field. And I have not watched a rugby game. Well, I've watched two rugby games since I left rugby in 2018. I watched one game at my dad's house when we took the baby back and everyone could meet the baby. And I watched one in San Diego when I was staying with a friend who was a strength coach of San Diego. And it was painful. And I just thought, you know, listen, the enthusiasm's not there. Again, I'm better than a lot of people, but am I as good as I could be? You know, if this was my 40 hour week job, stuff like that. So then I did, I also had that under management, had a staff member manage that, but it's just got to the point where I, yeah, I, I, I could check. I haven't checked, but I basically instructed one of my staff members. I was like, right, do a fire sale, kill rugby strength coach. So rugby strength coach, in my mind does not exist anymore. Yeah. It's a little bit of what I do frequently, which is like the burn the boats, like, okay, that's done. Move on, build something new. Yeah. 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 Do you, um, 
Was there a chance to sell rugby rugby strength coach? Is there a rugby coach out there that would buy rugby strength coach? I had a conversation with it with someone about it, but the thing is, it is this right. You and I have talked a bunch of times about in order for a business to be a valuable asset that someone would buy, it has to be like turnkey. Like they don't want to look at your business when you're running it and be like, oh, you know, this business makes a hundred, 200, whatever, thousands, millions, whatever per year, knowing that when they come in, it's going to drop off a cliff. Yeah. It should be the opposite. Exactly. They should be able to come in, use their experiences, their assets, their systems, all that kind of stuff to make it better. And again, it's arrogant, but name another rugby, name another heavily experienced person in rugby that has my uh that also has the experience that I have online business stuff like that. There's a couple of people that could get close and I reached out to them, but they don't have the money to to buy it. They weren't interested in seller financing all that kind of stuff. And then the thing is is like it is just it's an inherently unscalable business. It's an inherently seasonal business. There's always a race to the bottom. And I think the, the, the pain points just aren't there. Yeah. 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 Just trying to serve athletes that there's just. It's every man on earth thinks he knows how to fuck, fight and drive better than the average. If he's ever picked up a barbell, add training to the mix. Half the year they disappear. So that's you know, the best businesses are recurring businesses. Then you have to consider the thing that there's a huge amount of individualization that needs to take place in your fulfillment of that product or service in order for them to get great results. Mm-hmm. I don't have this equipment. I don't train on these days. My schedule doesn't fit up, like all that kind of stuff. That's that's a limit. Um then you look at like, okay, total, total addressable market of rugby players, four, 4 million registered rugby players in the world. Okay. How many of them are pro getting it for free? How many of them are so amateur? They don't care. Yeah. So you just get rid of these massive chunks. Then it's like, okay, uh, now take the people that are arrogant enough to think that they can do it themselves. <laughs> then you take, you know, it's just like this. And how many of them have enough money to even be able to yeah a mixture of care plus they care plus they actually have enough money to to care and put their money where their mouth is you you can you can make a living doing it you can (laughs) sure make a living doing it yeah but that's not good enough for you no i mean that's not why i aspire to so yeah yeah do you usually get do you get bored easily with things do you think yeah 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 um me too it's not I wouldn't say like bored, but if it's like, I like to make meaningful progress. Yeah. It's yeah. not bored. It's, it's, you have to feel like that challenge is there to keep pushing forward. Yeah. Uh, and it's of like, of course, it's not to say you couldn't be a better rugby strength coach, but the gains are going to be very minuscule at this stage for you. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I had this conversation with Eric Corum, which is when he and I both came in 
at William and Mary, it was like, right, we need to get the fuck out of here. We're going to go to the NFL. We're going to work together on this kind of stuff. And it got to like two, three years after that point. And it was like, well, actually, we've probably outgrown what that represents. Like, that's not going to cut it. Like, being told what to do and having the same problems with a nicer office. No, thanks. Like, I would like to build something bigger than why well, don't have access to a sled? What should I do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 It's tricky. It's very tricky. I'm, I, yeah. I, I, I've, I think we're, we're quite similar personality wise in, in that regard. I get a little bit, I get, I get a lot like that. I get a lot like that. I've been, we've been, we've been, we've been like progressing well for a couple of years. And I had this conversation with uh, Jamie Smith on his podcast. Um, yeah. Melbourne strength culture. It was like it feels. It feels oh, like. Signed up for my course. <laughs> I spoke oh, to yeah? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, he's very, very. Uh, he's a legend. Very good business guy. Um, just a just a really nice guy. But he, if it, it feel, it feels to me like I'm at a stage, and it's like I just want to like burn it down and move on to the next thing. But I, I'm far away from the point where like I, I'm, I'm only making marginal gains. I have massive gains to make in the business world and in the coaching world. But it's still, it's that thing is like itching at me to just burn it down for no reason and move on. And um, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that that that's what you've done. It just feels like to me as well. It just feels like looking at you. It's like you're just, you're just done. It's ready, ready for the next thing. Oh, you know, he's he's a he's a Scientologist lunatic. He probably front run his investors and defrauded them, but you know, a, a kernel of wisdom from Grant Cardone, which is you have to be willing to kill the existing version of yourself to become the future version of yourself. So if you look at his career, he started out as a car salesman. Then he was a sales trainer. Then he was an online marketing guy. Then he's into multifamily real estate, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you can go back to, when was it? A couple of months ago, I was like, no more rugby strength coach. That's why the Instagram now is call me care. That's why I bought callmecare.com because it's like people, you know, just because I thought, you know, I like to argue with people online. It's good for good marketing. If you can handle it, you know, who have you even coached more fucking people than you? Oh, you don't coach anyone. Yeah. Doesn't mean that I haven't, you know, and it's like, well, okay. You know, oh, you know, who do you even coach? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. I've I've let the work stand for itself and yeah 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 um why don't why can some people pull off the meme stuff and others can't because it's inauthentic mm -hmm. good answer <laughs> again not that I'm like the you know, I'm not like a model coach. I haven't had the world's best career, but you know, like I've, I have a friend who he kind of said to me, he's like, there's a lot of people out there that want to do a good impression of you, but then, you know, they want, you know, in wrestling, it's called like the heel, the heel turn playing the heel. They want to do that. And he said basically that they haven't done the work to get to that point or they're unwilling to deal with the blowback that comes from that. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like if you're, if it's inauthentic, it's obvious 
when it comes across. Yeah. And if you're not willing to stand by what you said, it also comes across. Because um, you really pushed, you really, you you really kind of started. I know you've pushed more and more into it recently, but you really kind of started probably like I don't know in my mind like two or three years ago, maybe around when COVID started, where you just stopped caring as much and pushed into that more. Maybe when you just stopped coaching, actually, um, yeah. more, more and more into that. Oh yeah, like, less repercussions. But at yeah. that stage, like I started seeing people kind of copying what you were doing, and actually. I just saw them burn bridge after bridge after bridge and like people just think that's, they're just that's what I designed that's what I designed to do it for. Yeah, but yeah, but they you like you attract people and burn certain bridges at the same time. They just burn bridges and yeah. well, that's that's the thing, okay? So I had this conversation last week which is even though I don't man strength coach network, Instagram, strength coach network, Twitter, stuff like that. You can go back. There was a post. It got a fucking huge engagement because, we, because Justin who made the post made the valid point, which is West side for athletes is a dumb idea. You're, you're taking a power powerlifting paradigm and applying it to a field-based sport based on the knowledge and experience of someone who has never worked in a field-based sport huge blow up and stuff like that. And somebody said, you know, I'll oh, be careful that you don't alienate yourself from large chunks of the industry. And I'm like, that's an acceptable price to pay. If I consolidate my positioning with the 5% that I'm actually for. And so it's, it's twofold. One, you can read, it's still up there. That medium post that I, I accidentally posted it. I wrote this big draft the day that I left coaching I think I pressed publish on medium and I was like, Oh, I'm going to publish it on medium. And then if I still feel the same way, I'm going to copy and paste that link on my social media feeds, not forgetting that when I'd set up medium, it would, it was already linked to those profiles that went out. I think it had 500 retweets, but I said at the end of that, like, I'm going to fucking enjoy this. Like I'm going to speak my mind because on a weekly basis, pretty much at William and Mary, take it down, take it down, take it down. Well, okay. One, I'm going to enjoy myself and say what needs to be said. Two, it's like burn the boats. I, I, I did say in that thing, like, oh, you know, I may go back. I'm never going to go back. Never again. Because don't want to be told what to do. And he's probably made it public now. TK, my friend, great example. He got fired for a bullshit reason the other day. And I'm never going to put my ability to feed my kid in the hands of somebody that would make a decision like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm meant to burn the boats and I'm okay. And the thing is as well, you can say that it attracts people go, I'll say it openly, go on socialblade.com, search my Instagram profile and watch you do this because you just, you just pointed down by the way, for people yeah, listening. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not up because, but here's the thing. Vernon Griffith, he's a fucking smart dude. He's like, learn the difference between consumers and customers. You can get your social media following to go like this up. I'm pointing up. You can get it to go up by basically being an entertainer. Give someone a free dopamine hit. Here, here's an exercise that you can copy and you don't have to think about. When you start on purpose being like, oh, by the way, this thing that you believe in is bullshit. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. 
none of this matters, blah, 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 blah. You're going to turn people off. But the thing is, the revenue keeps going up. Those are people that were never going to buy from me anyway. Cool. Don't care. It's it's better to have your, in my opinion, social media following drop precipitously to, I don't know, 10,000 people. And every single one of those 10,000 people is going to put their hands in their pocket and be like, give me what you have to sell. Then 45,000 people being like, oh, can you share an exercise? Oh, can you make a meme about this? Like, yeah. no, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Because that goes back to the blog post by whatever the guy's name is. Tim Ferriss always references references it. The thousand true fans. It's the same. It's actually same a Kevin Kelly concept. Kevin yeah. Kelly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I, I was thinking about that today. Actually, like your true fans, really on social media, are the ones that watch your stories every day. Like they are really the people that are going to ultimately buy from you. But I don't know. I've I found a bit of both. Where our our Instagram account has grown quite a bit over the last six months, probably. And I wa I went probably too far in the direction of like viral content and it worked like it's it's not it's not a secret it's easy to do you can you can you can grow your account a couple of reels got like five million views um now you're going to obviously attract a lot of trash followers along the way but our revenue grew as well at the same time but like you are risking it got to an uncomfortable stage for me where i was like oh shit like now if Instagram is only going to show your stuff to 10% of the people, like which 10% is it showing it to the the people that actually don't, don't like your stuff that much. So I don't know. I think I I just don't enjoy the meme stuff that much because I don't know. I like, I like banter. Not, Not that I don't enjoy consuming it. I don't, I don't enjoy posting it that much. I just, every day I just try and post something on my Instagram. That's helpful for someone. Yeah. And not that the meme the meme stuff can be helpful. Don't get me wrong. I just try. That's the way I go about it because when people start writing comments and stuff and bitching at me and stuff like that, it, it's like saps at me. I'm like, I fucking want to be right. So fuck this person. Not like I, I not, not like I really care. It's not like it's not like it gets at me as in it hurts me. It's more like I just I just start to get that energy where I'm like, fuck that person. And that's Bro, not good are, energy for we're me. We're just shit flinging monkeys. Hugging onto a rock, flying through space. That's all we are. I know. I know. But I don't want to be a shit-flinging monkey flying through space who's on his phone getting angry at some fucking idiot. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, even, like, sometimes I have little little small pops at people and I, I just keep it le- just Just, like, 10% less than I might have. Where you go, like, 10% more than you might have. <laughs> <laughs> But I suppose that's the authenticity thing. It's just about what feels right for you. Yeah, bro. It's like, I just think it's like necessary energy, necessary energy, everything in balance. Do you know, uh, is it Ken, Ken Jakowski on Twitter? No. He's the nicest guy. He's a high school track coach. He's been coaching for like 50 years. Such a good guy, had had a stroke, kept working, tweets about his rehab, tweets about his cardiac stuff, all that kind of stuff. The nicest guy. And I just tell people that I'm his counterpoint. (laughs) He exists so that I can tell people what fucking frauds they are. (laughs) Yin and yang. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what are the best, how, how... People who are listening who want to make money online, coaches, what should they do? Few, few, few obvious things that they're not doing that they should be doing. 
apart from solve the the, solve the most immediate pain you can uh, in the fastest way possible in a manner that reduces the friction and difficulty to the person solving problem. Okay, so what's a pain, what's an example of some pains then? What you do, <laughs> you. One of the reasons that I believe you've been so successful is you. I'm so good looking. You know what? You help you help people to get out of a very real physical pain very very quickly via some low friction strategies. I forget who I was talking to um, the other day, but they mentioned you, which is like. You know, if you have the choice between a, a specialist piece of equipment that you have to travel to the gym to do, or you can do it with, you know, a wall and body weight, why wouldn't you do it with body weight? Because mm-hmm. it's that much lower friction of a solution. Um, I think, you know, so that's so now we're getting into low friction. Yeah. So you've yeah. You, so a second ago you mentioned identify the pain, friction, huge, huge pain. So here's the thing. And speed. So pain, least friction, and fastest. Correct. Yeah. yeah, Still, Alex Hormozzi value equation. Dream outcome multiplied by likelihood of success divided by time to outcome multiplied by difficulty and friction or unpleasantness. Yeah. So this is like a Russell Brunson thing is like, there's, there's honestly very few real pains. There's money health relationships and the difficulty when you're an online strength coach was you'll be like, Oh, we're in the health business. Are you though? Like offer a rugby player, a professional rugby player who knows that, you know, you could, you could give them 10 reasons why RDLs and Olympic lifts are important. And you can say, okay, I'm going to give you the choice now for the rest of your career, bench press and biceps, RDLs and Olympic lifts. One of them has to go. What are they going to pick? Mm-hmm. They value image, which is status, which is sex, overperformance, that way more. I had a guy that taught me at university. He did research into steroid use in uh, rugby athletes. They all claim to use steroids for performance. It's all to do with image and status. Yeah. So it's it's hard, or no? I think the mistake that people make is that they they position themselves as to solving a kind of pain that isn't the most pressing, mm-hmm. which I realize now at times throughout my career, I was selling the alleviation of a pain that wasn't that high up the totem pole. If I'd have been like, fuck, let's get big arms and go get some pussy, that could have been the sugar to help the medicine go down. Um, so I feel like, you know, if running through a mental exercise in my head, lay out everything that you spend money on in a month in order of priority. I would hate to give this up. It's probably going to be food, rent, utilities, fuel, all the way down the list. Normally, you know, the, the luxury of a training service is going to be the first thing to go. And I feel like the more that you can honestly assess how high up the totem pole your product or services, the easier it is to sell. Mm-hmm. For obvious reasons, I have never seen an advertisement for illegal drugs, prostitution, 
all that kind of stuff. They sell themselves <laughs> because, rightly or wrongly, they alleviate a pain that the consumer is feeling at that moment quickly with low friction yeah. and a hundred percent guarantee it, it's going to work if you can find a hooker yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and if not you're on to Pornhub mm-hmm. yeah um yeah I think it's important to understand that the pain that people are identifying, like oh, I solved this pain point is not, I'll repeat kind of what you said there is not the pain that you think it is. So with, with a lot of people in, let's say in, in physiotherapy, physical therapy, they're talking about back pain or knee pain or something like that. You will not keep your clients motivated by always talking about their knee pain. They're yeah. coming to you because you'll, you'll have knee pain for two years and I just get on with it. I deal with it. I have no problem. It's fucking annoying, but I keep going. Suddenly I go to a physio one day and actually something made them go. And that was because they couldn't get down on the floor to play with their kids yeah. or they couldn't go to the tennis game with their friends. And then you're like, you're talking about how important tennis is to them. So yeah, you've identified actually tennis, like I can't play tennis. That's the pain point. But yep. that's not even the pain point. It's the fact that after tennis, they go for a few beers or something like that with their friends. And now you know, they're out of their social the, side. The biggest thing that made me get that meniscus surgery in January was like, I couldn't train jujitsu. And I couldn't sit all the way back when I was doing the intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> They're too important, too big pains. Exactly. So that's a perfect example because you could live the rest of your life and you wouldn't give a shit about that little bit of my leg, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But a lot of people will not give a shit about that. Yeah, They won't care. Uh, They won't care. So it's actually like people will could, if they were trying to motivate you to do your rehab, they would talk about your knee, your knee, your knee. And what they need to talk about is jujitsu, jujitsu, jujitsu. Yeah. Or sex, sex, sex. And it's, it's the... It's not like, oh, I'm doing jujitsu. It's the fact that that's my social life. And all of those people, I've just had that connection ripped away. That's the, that's the root pain. Exactly. And everything, exactly. That, everything that you're doing as a product or service provider is to alleviate that root pain. The product or service is the vehicle to doing so. Yeah. And that's what I think one thing that I've tried to realize is it's not, you know, oh, I'm a coach or I sell this or I do that. It's like I serve X audience that feel Y pain. And I just leverage what interests me, what I'm good at, what skills and experience I have to attack that problem in the most expedient and efficient way that I can. So this is this leads me to the next part of analysis, which is you tried to solve strength coaches' pain points by setting yeah. up strength coach network, which was very successful. It solved a lot of pain points, but their pain point wasn't necessarily that I'm not a good enough co- coach or I need to learn more about all these movements and how to coach. It's actually I want to have a better career where I make more money. And Correct. that's the pain point you're trying to solve now. Correct. Because you know, this this is the the evolution that I've had to go through and the kind of lessons that I've had to learn, which is well, they they want to be educated. No, they don't. If I was to snap my fingers and say, you can be the world's most knowledgeable coach and unemployed, or you can have a power five logo on your shirt 
and a high paying job and be a fucking moron, maybe with or without a mustache, you, they would bite your hand off for the money and the status. So the education is a vehicle to those things. Mm-hmm. Now, given the oversubscription of the field, if I was the world's best business person and I somehow I've got the recipe, like every interview you get, you're going to fucking knock it out the park. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Nine out of 10 of the customers are going to fail just by virtue of the, the numbers. Also, if we're really honest, given the number of high status morons in the field of strength and conditioning, does knowledge or skill or experience have any bearing on the job that you're going to get or ingratiating yourself to people in positions of influence? The latter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ultimately, these. this is another thing. Be delivering results that you have a direct relationship or ability to influence the outcome of and that you can measure. Look at the niches that uh, are most lucrative in the online space. Vertical jump, bench press, sprint speed, uh, pitching velocity, serving velocity, club head speed, drive distance, all that kind of stuff. The more uh, intangible, it may be right, but the more intangible and the broader the result that you're delivering, in my opinion, the worse the business model is. If you took an O-lineman and said, I will increase your bench press by 100 pounds in 12 weeks or less, you might be a way more lopsided and ineffective athlete, but you would do better business than I'm going to make you a better O-lineman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't make So, you know, can can I control the status or the, the, the level of job that a strength coach has directly? No, I can't. Strength Coach Network is really, really good at providing you you with the potential to do so. Otherwise, it wouldn't have um, been successful to the point where it is. Yeah. But can I control the ability to put one grand, five grand, 10 grand in your pocket between now and the end of the year? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I've had, that's why on my podcast, I've talked so much about the business side of things. Like yeah. I love talking about movement. I absolutely love it. But every episode, every solo episode, whatever I'm talking about, a little bit of business stuff, Instagram stuff, because there's just a weird thing. And I said in our workshop the other day about, oh no, I said on my last solo podcast, people are talking about coaches saying, I don't want to be an influencer. I want to be a coach. I'm like, you are, you're saying that because you cannot influence anyone. You're, you have, you don't even have the ability to influence clients to work with you in the first place. So uh, yeah. that's, that's a big part of, of the job. I think we, so we've, we've transitioned a lot over the last couple of years to start to like, as you know, now teaching workshops and we have our educational site and we're moving much more in that direction because I can, I can just influence more people, make more money. Um, and I enjoy teaching more. I enjoy teaching people more like coaches about movement than just working one-on-one with clients all the time. But I, I do like to, I do like a mix of both. Um, and that, and that's been successful. Like people will constantly write to me about how well they've, like how their clinic is now full because they're using things in these ways, but then other people, other people won't. So I guess that's the gap that we're not, we're not quite ticking, which is 
showing people how to transfer their skills into actually the business. And that's, it's not that hard, I don't think. It's just hard to get that point across. But think about the intelligence level of the average American and then consider that 49% of the country is dumber than that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No offense, America. Just the world in general. Well, I'm particularly, I'm salty at America because the, I found out the uh, the wait period for my green card has gone from eight months to 22, so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> have, some dig, have some more digs at America. Um, yeah. Okay, you you posted a, you, you did a post around building your moat. Um, what does that mean and how do we do it? So Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger would call it a franchise, which is you want to make it inherently difficult for, well, you want to make it prohibitive for anyone attempting to compete with you. They just couldn't do it. Or you want to make it really, really hard. So let me think like uh, Amazon. They have built such efficiency and scale and size into their business that there is no way that you could ever hope to compete with them price speed convenience anything like that like you would be way more expensive you would take way longer way more inconvenient stuff like that it's like that is a moat you are never ever ever going to compete with them um you can have products or services where there's just it's so indispensable and it's so hard to switch that you're never, it would it would have to be like a disaster for you for you to switch. So stuff like you know certain softwares, like again Amazon S3, Netflix is probably never going to switch from Amazon S3 because they never have any downtime. They have unlimited capacity. It, you know, it's seamless stuff like that. Um, uh, social media brands they they benefit from network effects. It's winner take all. You know. The so, for example, Facebook. Anytime they see a threat, they just buy it up. So not, they not anymore. The, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. TikTok. Prior to that, like they're just not allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. They built such a good mode that the government okay. were just like, no, nope. yeah, <laughs> gonna gonna buy you up. Instagram, buy you up. WhatsApp, buy you up. Like all this kind of stuff. Or they, you know, they make it so hard to leave those platforms. Same thing with advertisers, like. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of Google and Meta and maybe Amazon, go try and advertise online and see what happens. Hey guys, David here. Just a quick break from the show. A reminder, don't forget to jump on our new foot and Achilles program slash foot, calf, ankle, Achilles, shin, knee, plyometric program. There's four phases worth of world-class lower leg training there. Takes you all the way from just teaching you how to mobilize and sense your feet um, all the way through to like building some strength, integration, pushing through the foot, what should be happening at your hip, what should be happening at your knee, and then all the way through six plyometric workouts to get you up to the plyo level that I get all my clients with. So You'll, you'll feel a lot better. You'll learn a lot for your own body and you'll be able to apply a huge amount to your clients immediately, like straight away. So, um, jump, jump on board with that. The first link is in the, in the show notes there. And for now, back to the show. It's, you know, it's so hard. So do I think that you can build that level of 
you know, franchise or make it so hard to compete with people as a service provider, online coach, in-person coach, athletic trainer, physical therapist, not as much, but there's certain things that you can do to protect yourself against that. And I think that's when it comes down to niching right down. So for example, you know, I, when I was the rugby strength coach, do you think there was anyone that would really be able to compete with me on the level of experience that I had, the combination of skills that I talked about, like presence online, ability to communicate with people like that. It's probably like two or three other people that were reasonably prominent in training rugby players online at the time. One of them won the World Cup and he just jumped the shark and did a bunch of weird bullshit, Steve Wass's face. And then like two or three others that I know rugby strength coach was doing many more times revenue than those other sites. Mm-hmm. But if I'd have just been like, oh, I'm an online strength coach. Just Some strength coach like, instead of rugby yeah. strength coach. Yeah, People would be like, well, you're not Charles Poliquin. Well, you're not Mike Boyle. You're not Ch- Chad Wesley Smith. You're not this, you're not that. And it's like, you want, it's better to own a tiny, tiny piece of the internet where nobody could possibly hope to compete with you than it is to compete on that broad scale. And the thing is as well, it's like, if you look at a lot of major brands, what they tend to do is they tend to own one particular product sector, geographic area, and then they expand out. So for example, Facebook started as harvard.edu only. Then it was the Ivy League. Then it was, you know, Stanford. Then it was students only. Then it was the US. Then it was, you know, and so on and so on. Amazon started with books. Then they went to DVDs. Then eventually they went to stuff that wasn't a box shape. Now they own pharmacies, Whole Foods, you know, all kind of stuff. Uber started in San Francisco. Then they went to, you know, like Chicago, New York. They get all those major markets. Okay, now we're going to go to Brazil, like all this kind of stuff. And if you look at, not that I'm on that level, the rugby strength coach, strength coach network, strength coach money moves. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, you know, what I have in my head is, well, okay, online strength coaches, in-person strength coaches, ATCs and physical therapists, sport coaches in general, you know, dietitians and so on. And just those kind of like expanding concentric circles. Um, so what would you say, if any, is my moat or what could I do better? Free consult here. You, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to lay the foundation that we're going to have offline, but like (laughs) you have encountered the same problem that I have to an, an extent. I think you've you've hit the ceiling at a high level of revenue and more success, which is you struggle to uh, decide if you are for practitioners or for consumers. Practitioners. Okay. So we haven't hit a ceiling. I, 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 it's not a ceiling, more of an impasse. I know. I know. I know. Which I just wanted to slip that in. Uh, <laughs> we, we hit a ceiling for for about a year yeah while i transitioned into more practitioners yeah. and then we've yeah. blown through the ceiling given that you're training practitioners 
who will leverage your experience, materials, blah, 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 to make thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars is a $100 ebook or a one-off workshop uh, capitalizing on that fact. When you could flesh out those offers, uh, you could be more prescriptive in, or, you know, you could be more kind of like, well, here's, here's the, the how, the what, the why, the contingencies, how it fits together, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a long-term project for you, but like where you need to go with it is you need to be like, okay, you're a David Gray certified level one, level two, level three. You're going to pay us a thousand bucks a year to be in the network, to come to the conference, to do the CPD events, uh, stuff like that. And then I think when it comes to the, the, the media a little bit, like I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot. You should not be talking to me. There is not a physical therapist or athletic trainer that needs to hear from the rugby meme guy. It might be you're kind of like, again, it ties into like, you're, you're, what is the root cause of the problem? Physical therapists want, for the most part, money. But they also maybe crave the status or the connection that comes from being like, this is the only guy that can solve my pain. And then I think a useful way to think about it is if you were to flip that on its head and say, okay, you are going to, do your best to absolutely tank a therapist clinic. How would you do it? List out all the ways that you could absolutely fucking destroy somebody's business. Financially illiterate, uh, no systems and processes. You hire absolute dickheads. You have no interpersonal manner. You, you know, you don't stay up to date with certain techniques. You do stuff that's not scalable. You do all this hands-on bullshit rather than teach people to be functional. Each of those things, you need to flip it on its head and say, okay, how do you have a good interpersonal manner? How should you be financially literate? How should you select people? How should you do this? Mm-hmm. Those need to be the angles yeah. that you're providing value to. And I think there's a spectrum of done, do it yourself, done with you, done for you. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be your tiers of your offerings, which is, Level one is slightly repurposed, but the templates that you have done with you is going to be your in-person, or it could be, you can have a course in between, having the course in between, having the in-person mentorships where people come to you in Waterford because then you're increasing your scale. You could be doing one of those every single weekend or, you know, every quarter or whatever it is. Then the top tier needs to be, we will come to your clinic for a week and yeah. basically unfuck it and you're going to pay a lot of money for the privilege yeah. then setting up your funnel uh, so that you are leveraging your media presence to attract those kinds of people and driving them to the bottom of that funnel as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're right. And that's that's not 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 in that exact way, but that's the direction that we've been moving yeah, towards. I, <laughs> and I know, I know, I know, I know. And and it's just 
I haven't been rushing with anything. And and I, I spoke to my dad about this yesterday. It was like, I know a lot of people say strike while the iron is hot and stuff. And that is, there is a definitely a case to be made for that and moving quick and stuff like that. But I don't know. I've been, I've been just enjoying the journey we're on as well. That's why. And I think as well, it's like the whole like strike when the iron is hot, you're not in a business where it's fashionable or not fashionable, where you have to do that. You know, so if you were like, for example, I, I keep using these big brands, but I think it's universal. It's like YouTube shorts needed to be made yesterday. Mm. Facebook and Instagram reels yesterday, because if you don't, you're going to have your lunch taken by TikTok and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Or, you know, these brands like racing to accept cryptocurrency as, as payment. People, people were in pain yesterday they're going to be in pain today. They're going to be in pain tomorrow. Your business is not going out of style or out of fashion. Yeah. 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 I've, I've tried to really be clear. Like our brand is everything in terms of, and I'm never going to sacrifice, like trying to move and, and make some quick money and yeah. sacrifice our brand. And I've taught for like years, three years now, since we started releasing programs, it was basically all so many practitioners buying it. I was like, oh, when they buy this, they won't buy the next thing. Or sorry, like they'll feel like they have everything and they won't want to buy the next yeah. thing. And I've consistently just been proved wrong. And even now with the workshops, like at the end of every workshop, people are like, when's the mentorship? And yeah. I say, you know, so it's it's actually, but that just tells me we're attracting the right people because they're hungry for more. They're not just looking for that quick fix. So I know like our, just, our email list has full, is filled with 12 or 15,000 of the right people that are going to... You, in I, my opinion, you should have a template for each of the major injury types and injury sites yeah. that feeds down into a long-form course that feeds down into an in-person mentorship and then that kind of like white glove, pay me a lot of money option. Mm-hmm. Um. So how how can see it, it seems like the moat stuff with regards to online coaches, let's say, the moats are built with personal brands. Correct. But you're historically have spoken to me about personal brands not necessarily being the right option. So flesh that out for me. It is it's only a poor option if the expectation is not set on the front end that you are buying a result and you as the face of the brand promote that result. If you're promoting it as come and train with me, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Whereas, you know, uh, not again, not this perfect. December of 2022, I'm like, fucking, you know, come sign up for Strength Coach Network Fundamentals. We'll give you a free year to Strength Coach Network. I, you know, and I've I've yet to, to go on the site since. <laughs> but it's like, you know, we have a good enough staff in place. We have good enough resources. The, you know, it's still, it's still a good deal for people. And it's like, you know, do you have to accept the fact that perhaps... Uh, the results might be a little bit worse than if you were at the coalface yourself. Yes. But five people, a third as good as you, will still outperform you by 50%. Mm-hmm. 
as long as the math works out and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you have to look at like, are there practitioners out there that can get in the ballpark of your level of ability as a physical therapist? Sure. Are there a lot of people out there with your ability to communicate, simplify, promote your brand, uh, build those relationships and position your products and services? Absolutely not. So if you have to look at it, it's like, what is the highest leverage on your time? Um, It will be that stuff. You'll still be the face of the brand, but to be at the coal face, it's like, mowing lawns for a living when you have a law degree yeah yeah we're maybe at the stage that's where i've been struggling with is is trying to is trying to maybe make that next step like you're saying that certification type of thing really that needs to be under a brand name that's not necessarily that's just not 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 necessarily my name that's definitely not my name it's it can be associated with my name but it could uh, be it could be but like i don't i don't want it to be though you know but here's the thing like look at you can you can see this. It's kind of like being done quite quite sly. Go look at Dave Ramsey stuff. There there are shows and you know all that kind of stuff under the Dave Ramsey brand that he does not feature in. The same thing with Tom Segura. He's a comedian. It's the Your Mom's House podcast, but now they have YMH Studios. So they've you know Dr. Drew does a show for them and stuff like that. So it's like. I think he's those two people, for example, even though they're media personalities in the face of their brands, they've still, they're leveraging that brand to create other stuff that they can remove themselves from that might be um, valuable in their own right. Um, So for coaches who are trying to make some money online it might be like a side thing it might be yeah let's say a side a side thing for now so there's they're creating content and they feel like they're speaking to their niche and maybe it's working a little bit maybe it's not should do you you think like because a lot of people will maybe copy what i've done or what you've done with with maybe templates like where we started um do you think they're better off with that type of that type of offering first or with just like go straight to one-to-one online coaching group coaching like what type of offer or what's the pros and cons of different types of ones she sell the most expensive shit first just because if you consider a marketing funnel to be a series of assumptions so the assumption is if they stumble across one of your posts, your ads, guest media, all that kind of stuff, they will click through to your profile. If they click through, they'll consume the content. They'll follow. They'll keep, you know, they'll they'll give you progressively higher amounts of time and attention. Short form media, uh, medium form media, long form media. Oh shit, he's got free stuff available. They'll give you an email address. They'll open the emails. They'll read them. They'll click through. They'll click to a low level product. They'll get value from it. They'll um, you know, get an intermediate level product. They will give you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars each year as a long-term client and they'll hang around and they'll refer people to you. Each of those is an assumption. Each of those takes time, money, attention to, or, or effort to validate. However, 
it is completely possible to validate the initial assumptions and fall completely flat for the rest. So for example, if you were to reverse engineer and say, okay, I want to make uh, $100,000 a year online. And in order to do that, just ignoring intermediate products and stuff like that, I'm going to have to have 100 people pay me $1,000 a year, broken down into, was it like eight, you know, 75 bucks a month? Need 100 people at 75 bucks a month. Let's say that I'm going to convert 1% of my list. So I need 10,000 people on my email list. And, you know, 15% of the people that follow me online will sign up for my list. Okay, I need 15 times that or whatever, you know, eight times that. I'm going to need 100,000 people to follow me on online. Right. Let's go build a, a profile. Let's go Let's go build a social media following. 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. Shit, I've got 100,000 people that follow me online. Okay. Time to put out the offer. You put it out and it tanks. Yeah. You spent all that time building something to direct people towards towards something that doesn't work. Whereas if you build it in reverse and you just put it out and say, okay, online coaching for uh, postpartum mothers that want to lose 20 pounds in three months without losing time with their baby, stuff like that. And you just say, hey, you know, five, 10 spots available, this, this, this on offer, money back guarantee, whatever, sign up. You're going to get immediate feedback about whether whether or not people want that. Then you can back it out and you know come up with a an email resource for you know expectant mothers like oh what to expect about bodily changes after you give birth, mm-hmm. knowing that at least X percent of the eyeballs that see that offer will convert, and then they're only going to convert higher when you've delivered the value via that lead magnet. Then you know you know for every X number of leads that I get through that lead magnet, it's going to result in Y customers. Then you can go out and say, okay, uh, I need you know this many followers. I need this many people consuming my media. Then you can go out and target that media knowing these are the, the points that we're going to have to talk about. These are the avatars that we're appealing to, like all that kind of stuff. And then once you do that, it's like you can pay for the eyeballs knowing if we get X number of people, it's going to cost, I don't know, $25 an email. We need a hundred emails to make a sale, we'll make a thousand bucks from that. Take take a thousand bucks, go out and buy, you know, several thousand eyeballs and it will come through the other end. Yeah. I think that I think that's I, that's probably where people go wrong is that they see a you selling a template for 50 bucks or something like that. And they have a small social media following. They have a 500, a thousand, couple of thousand people and they release that template. They release a template like that for 50 bucks. bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and they spend months and months creating it. Yeah. And they're going to convert 1% of their one to three to 5%, 10% if they're doing unbelievably well of their social media the following. Crushing it. Like I think historically mine is like five to seven. Yeah. And I've been doing it a while. Like 1% is probably realistic. Exactly. Exactly. We did 10. When we were at 50,000 Instagram followers, we had 10,000 of those basically by lower body basics. Then we went like viral and stuff and that those numbers got skewed. But, and I say to people like that is, you shouldn't expect that. And I don't, I don't mean that as in like, 
we're better or anything like that. It's just the industry averages. I, I would expect people to do like 1%. Yeah. So they're going to do 1%. They're not oh. going to make any money and they've just wasted a shit can, ton of time. If your margins are crazy high and the, the, the price tag is crazy high. Yes, exactly. It can't be a low... Yeah, whether you're selling a template, whether you're selling a thousand bucks of training, it's going to cost you probably five bucks to get an email. Yeah. Might as well make, you know, $995 versus 45. Exactly, exactly. And and it's probably, it's to get an email, it's going to cost you the same amount. And to get a sale, you're still going to make the same amount of sales probably. Yeah. So that I think that's a mistake. So I would I would consider doing the template type of stuff once, if if that's an option, it's not always the great the best option. But once you're completely full up with your like online coaching, high yeah. ticket stuff, now I can release something to keep, and that kind of keeps prospects warm as well in the pipeline, and you can make some money in the meantime. I yeah. think we went we now look that's me being no, it's not actually. I was full up with clients, and I was full up with online clients, and that just kind of came by accident. We weren't super targeted on our niche or anything like that. I was just talking about the things that I like to talk to talk about online, sharing the stuff that I wanted to share, talking to who I wanted to talk to. And then, but we were like nurturing that list, if you want to call it that on social media for three years, putting out, putting out like quality information every day or what I thought was quality anyway. And then we released the program and like 3000 people bought it in one day. Yeah. But you're right. Like we could have been, doing that and released release that and then maybe no one would have bought it yeah it's it, it, it's not it, it is still had a full client list. you still had a full client exactly list. exactly 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 so um so in your in your course how are you going to how are you going to teach people to make money is it about finding the niche is it about building the audience is it about how to structure and sell a product is it about ads is it about i'll give you the modules modules are let me see money guy (laughs) you should have called Uh, just call you the money guy instead of oh no well you kind of branded yourself the rugby guy you changed from rugby strength coach to the rugby guy well no i just that was to take the piss out of the americans because you know when i when i became the head strength coach of william and mary a bunch of the fans were like oh he's just the rugby guy the rugby guy he was the money guy do you have any idea uh so module one this is the thing that i actually changed uh recently which is module one is just like Here's how you run a flash sale. Like, here's how you make a bunch of money in a hurry because of the providing results quickly, more value. So I I actually asked people ahead of time. I said, listen, do you want me to just go through a flash sale? Like, here's how you, you know, shake the tree, get some money, get some momentum, validate some ideas, all that kind of stuff. So that's week one. Then it is reverse engineering to kind of like look at, you know, what is it that you're working towards? Because like we said, you know, if you want to make a hundred grand online in this niche, like here's what you need to do. There may be a ceiling after that. Like, so that would be acceptable in one situation, unacceptable if you want to do more doing something else. Uh, so kind of like looking at that, um, kind of like business fundamentals. So the mechanics, like what are the governing principles? What are the key metrics that you need to be paying attention to? How do you grow a business? Like all that kind of stuff. Um, 
niching, audience, building uh, products and offers, uh, sales, email marketing, uh, just because I think it's like it's that important to to know how to to market by email, mm-hmm. um, social media and content systems, processes and technology, and then delegation and outsourcing. In the email stuff, are you gonna are you are you teaching people how to write, or just how to think about email? You, it would be like trying to teach someone how to have sex. You do not learn. That between the pages of a book, mm-hmm. you have to get in the sheets. But there are structuring how you deliver those emails. So, for example, it's like there is a direct relationship between how many emails you send, when you send them, what you say, and how much people buy. And a lot of that can be formulaic. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the second somebody gives me their email address, I'm going to put a sales offer in front of them because enthusiasm is high. The, the likelihood of a sale declines the longer that you have their email address and they've not yet bought. So the enthusiasm is highest at the point they give you your email address. Put an offer in front of them. If they say no, I'm going to trigger an email sequence to email them every single day, minimum, for the next week to try and put them back in the in the bucket and saying no is just not buying something yeah yeah yeah. not taking an immediate upsell yeah Yeah. so then it would be okay well maybe you need a little bit more convincing the value proposition isn't there yet the the risk minimization isn't there the price the urgency all that kind of stuff so we'll hammer them for the next six or seven days and that's completely automated with you know some conditions and stuff like that, personalized coupon codes, getting back in the bucket. Just adding that, that can make the difference of you know thousands and thousands and thousands per year. Like I think in December, I forget the last time I looked, it was like maybe we did six thousand, yeah. just by being like, do you want to upsell? Like immediate upsells, crazy discount. Do you want to buy? Yes or no. And then we we recoup some more through the emails and stuff like that. So there's there's definitely you if you aspire to predictable results, that means that you have to have a process in place first, mm-hmm. and you you should strike the balance between being formulaic and how you communicate to people, but then also effective in how you do it. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe the average strength coach or the average coach that tries to make money online has no process. No, of course, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm not saying that I'm the world's best business person by making this course. I'm like, I've probably gone further than the average online strength coach. Yeah. So there's still value to be yeah. gleaned for them, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. Hence the guarantee. Um, like, even, you know, even if they, I have said, you will not make a net loss in this course. Cost a thousand bucks, you make a thousand bucks in 10 weeks, or I pay the difference. Like, Skin in the game, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think the you know just the reason I asked about teaching him how to write is because it's the same as social media, like Instagram and stuff. People struggle with to- storytelling. Correct. They really struggle. Yeah, and it's it's hard to learn. I'm okay. I don't think I'm amazing. Far from it. But I've read a lot of books as a child. And, and you know, the thing is as well, 
people confuse sophistication with effective communication. Mm -hmm. I, putting aside politics and personal stuff, the two smartest media manipulators in the world are Donald Trump and Andrew Tate. Yeah, I knew who you were going to say. Oh, I knew you were going to say Trump anyway. Yeah. But think about like, uh, build the wall, lock her up, make America great again. You can, you can fucking reel them off. Yeah. Re- reel off me very, very quickly. What's the slogan for Joe Biden? I don't know. I just hear him exactly. stuttering. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's my, uh, that's my, um, that's my, like I hammer that home with myself and with Kira all the time when we're talking about branding and stuff like that. Clear, not clever. Our yeah. products clear, not clever. Like we had just released a program, the foot and Achilles program. It's, and I, I, I come up with like clever names in my own head. I'd be giggling away at myself. And then I'm like, fucking 30% of the people won't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I just do you, do you want to know the name of the, uh, the content business that we, that we put together? Yes, please. Let daddy drive. <laughs> <laughs> go, go look up. Let daddy drive.com. I own that. Uh, URL. Yeah, but that's, that's not clear. That's clever. But, no, but the thing is, when I'm when I'm talking to you, I'd be like, "Here's what you need to do to make good content. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Or you can just fucking let daddy drive." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and every time there's going to be a conversation with a client, I'm going to be like, "Let daddy drive." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. then becomes, we also bought. It we bought, becomes clear then. Yeah, we bought LDD content for when people get upset. <laughs> <laughs> um no it's good it's good i think it's important i said i wanted to help i wanted to try and normalize or help people feel coaches and therapists in the industry feel like it's normal for them to make like good morning money enjoy their work feel like they're valued and i think you've been doing a, a great job with that and actually more so just communicating that like you should be thinking you should even be thinking about this stuff rather than just hanging your entire life on on the someone else's whim on a certain day where they could just hire you or fire you yeah so it's important it's really important and you enjoy your life you enjoy your work more money is important people fucking pretend it's not it gives you a bit of freedom to do what you want to do with your life yeah and you know ultimately i think it boils down to it's like relationships and health probably more important you know if you if you were to say to people like oh do you want to be as rich as warren buffett and they say yes like oh well you're now 92 years old you're going to be you're going to die (laughs) or you know eric clapton eric clapton's worth i know half a billion dollars and say do you want to be as rich as eric clapton and they might say yeah be like okay well his kid jumped out of a window when he was three would you trade that to have half a billion dollars? And the answer, of course, is going to be no. It's like, well, those are the things that... Mm-hmm. Money doesn't solve your, solve all your problems, but it solves your money problems. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of money problems. Yeah. I got, I got married, though, so uh, I'm not going to be solving those anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like you're on the way, well on the way. Uh, what, do you, what do you, if you want to answer, what are you doing with the... What are you doing with your like investments or whatever i know you you had a uh, some some real estate yep what's the story there i added another two uh units this october um 
And then, you know, the, the problem that I have, which is I'm a foreigner in America with a foreign registered company and, you know, little to no, well, no, it's not true. I don't have a US, if I made what I made from an employer, they give me a mortgage. But because I'm foreign, foreign company paying myself or that kind of stuff, they don't want to give me the money. So I'm not inclined to try and ramp it up as quick as I previously had been. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, certainly the plan for the long term, which is, you know, the magic number is 3.75 million because that invested at 7% gives me 150K of cash flow a year at 4%. Um, that invested in, in what? S&P. If, if you put it in the S&P, you know, average historical return of 7%. Yeah. Um, but you know, in reality, if you put it into a uh like a, a big building or a real estate portfolio, you probably you could probably hit that number a little bit lower. Like a good rule of thumb is uh 250 a unit per month. Um, so then you know, if you back that out, I'll tell you I am. So you're you're saying 3.75 mil net worth basically. Or it does that invested, not invested, invested. Yeah. Okay. So one fifty thousand divided by two fifty. Fifty apartments. Okay. So if you say three hundred thousand per apartment, fifteen million in real estate times twenty five percent down, three point seven five million. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. By when? As soon as possible. What age are you now? Thirty seven. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I'm not angry that I I believe I could have worked for myself full-time from the day that I graduated university. But the thing was the shiny object that I wanted more than anything status was to be an elite level strength coach in rugby union. I wanted to go to the world cup. I wanted to say that I'd work with all these all blacks in Japan, I wanted to say that I worked in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in reality, I've been working full time for myself since October of 2020. Yeah. And if I say, you know, add, when was I, 30, 35, add 12, 13 years in front of that, where would I be now? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but maybe you wouldn't be here at all. Maybe. So, yeah. Good. Um, okay. Any final words for us? Just a, pr- a privilege and an honor as always, David. Mm-hmm. You're like every year I, I, well, no, we chat more than once a year, obviously, but, uh, yeah. on the podcast, maybe I just have a constant ex- existential crisis. And then I'm like trying to figure it out for a full, another year. And then you give me a few things to think about. So I always <laughs> have some things to think about. <laughs> so, Likewise, brother. It's, yeah. it's good to uh it's good to see how well you're doing yeah it's good i'm enjoying my work more than i have now in a long time oh yeah yeah i really am i really am and sorry i should say enjoying my life enjoying just enjoying things just having a good time and also i don't need to i feel like i don't need to have an empire you know what i mean i just need to I'm, really yeah i don't know <laughs> not that i don't want to but i don't need to i'm clear on like this is how i want to live my life 
that's what I'm really, really clear on. Super clear on that. I know what I want to do. I know what I don't want to do. And we're just always, we're practically there. We're just moving more towards that. But there's always that a slight angst that I think most people have, especially men have where they feel there's just angst around money. It's like, will I be able to support my family? What if this happens? That kind of thing. So like, that's, that's always there. And I'd like to get past that as soon as I could. You, uh, you don't have any kids yet, right? No, but I'd like to. Yeah. I think it's like, it's one of those things where I wish that I could have had the motivation that having a child gave me in my twenties when I had all the spare time and energy to apply that motivation, but there's nothing like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what would you like people to check out? Where, where should they go? I'm going to try and get a redirect going for uh, callmekid.com where it will just go straight to the, uh, the course yeah. and I'll set it up so that they can just use your first name and get a discount. Um, but failing that, just go to uh, my uh, Instagram, link in bio. Hey, money guy, thank you very much. You stop that. <laughs> Hey guys, David here again. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Kier. If you did, please give it a share for us. It would be very helpful for me and Kier. So make sure you tag us both. Um, That's always really appreciated. More, maybe even more appreciated than you think it's important for the podcast. Um, It's hard to get people, new listeners onto the podcast, but I think people will enjoy it once they have. If you enjoy it, it's likely that one of your friends would enjoy it too, but they're just not aware of it. So a share would be very helpful. And um, last reminder, Foot and Achilles program is there. The link is in the show notes. Honestly, I think it's our best program yet. You'll lo- you love it. You get lifetime access. Uh, you really won't regret getting on board. There's about 900 people on board with it now. Um, so if you can be one of those and learn a lot and start to apply it to your clients it will completely change how you actually think about feet and how you coach as well so um so yeah the link is in the show notes and apart from that thanks again for joining me and i'll catch you guys next week